Hello, everybody. Welcome to church. Are you ready to go? We're going to go. Go ahead and stand up right now as we sing together. We have a testimony that we've been given to tell the world about what Jesus has done for us. All right? Darkness run for
Father, we come here today to give you the glory and honor and the praise to show you that you mean something more than anything else in this entire life. Father, we believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth and he died, but he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay buried. You raised him to life so that he became the sacrifice for each of us. And now we are alive because of what Jesus has done, and we cannot hold it in. We cannot let it sit in this place under just this roof and in these walls. It has to leave this place. And so we are saying here together, as we come together as a family, we say we believe in these things. We believe so strongly that we will not let it sit here anymore. We will go out into this world and give you everything that we can because this world needs to know that there is a light in the darkness. They need to know about Jesus. And so we're going to do that today. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray for each of these things. Amen. Believe. 
Christ our Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection. And we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion. And in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection. When Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Yes, I believe in the name of Jesus. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Believe in the name of Jesus Christ. I raise up.
Hi, I'm Will Puckett. My wife and I have been attending uh, Capital City Christian Church for about four years now, and I've always appreciated Doc's sermons. Uh, I, I love his preaching style. My wife and I both do. And this God Canceled series, I saw something that allowed me or made me realize I can reach the people that I work with. I'm an engineer, I work with engineers, and they like to see facts and evidence, and they like to see a logic trail. And I thought that the way that Doc laid this out, without using the Bible as an authority, uh, would really reach them. And Doc doesn't yell and scream and pound the podium. Uh, those kind of things turn people off. He uses well-chosen words to make the case. And I think that the people I work with will be receptive to that. So uh, Vern graciously loaded up the uh, God Canceled series on the flash drives. And uh, this is something that they can do in their house on their own time, at their own pace. They don't have to show up to church, which uh, most of them that I'm, that I'm thinking of would be uncomfortable with that. And I can still find a way using these flash drives to reach them. And I think for some of them, I may be their only Christian friend. And I wouldn't be much of a Christian, wouldn't be much of a friend if I didn't at least try to reach them. And I'm not above bribery. I have actually had uh, one of my friends listen to one of Doc's sermons before, and I offered him lunch if he would listen to it. And I told him I would not quiz him to see if he actually watched it. I would not question him. If he had any questions for me, he could ask me during lunch. If not, that was okay too, just as long as he watched it. He did, we went out to lunch. We talked about it for just a minute or two, and then we talked about cars. So for me, this flash drive in this series is the perfect way to reach the people that I work with, uh, and I know how they work and think. Uh, you work with a different set of people. You, you know, if they're your friends, how to reach them. You know the best way to introduce them to God. So I would encourage you, if maybe this series or maybe this presentation through a thumb drive, is, is maybe that doesn't work for you. Uh, but think about how to reach the people that are important to you in your life because this is the most important decision they're ever gonna make. I had to pay a whole lot of money to get him to say nice things about me. It was, it was awful. Um, Let's pray together. Father, it's such an honor to be called into your presence. And we know you're here. And as you nudge us, we pray that we will be receptive. And now we pray that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen. So guys, we've spent about the last five months laying out what I think are powerful evidences for God and for Jesus as the Son of God. And as I've said many times, I can't prove either one. But there's way more evidence for than against. What if we're right? What if we're right? What if there really is a God? And what if Jesus really is God in a bod? If that is so, guys, then a story has been unfolding since before time, and you are part of it. Here it is. The book of Genesis opens with these words, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
It's almost kind of like a once upon a time, but this one is not a fairy tale. It's a grand story. It's an epic. Now, the words of Genesis do not contain the story of God's beginning. It's the story of our beginning. This is about where we fit into this big, fat story of God. Now, if you go to the Gospel of John, it takes us back even further to the time before time. It says, in the beginning, in our beginning, the Word already existed. Jesus was already there. The Word, that's what God, John is calling Jesus. Jesus was with God, and Jesus was actually God. He already existed before our in the beginning with God. It says, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. So, there was a time when there was a God and nothing else, just God. And guys, that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, this universe is not eternal. So there had to be something who is eternal to get this whole thing started. So once upon a time, there was God, and only God. But weirdly enough, God was not alone because there is something about God that is both one and three. We speak of Him as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one and yet anything but lonely or alone. You see, God didn't create stuff because He was lonely or needy. He created stuff out of a superfluity of creativity and love, it seems. So once upon a time, in the time before time, God created these magnificent, what we might call, supernatural creatures. Not us yet. Creatures so grand, so powerful, so glorious that others, later, would treat them like gods. These angels, archangels, cherubim, seraphim. And it seems that God created them to be good. But like us, God also created them to be free. Free to choose for God or against Him, like us. And like us, some of these angels, archangels, chose badly. Dissatisfied with their role in this big fat story of God, they reached for more, far more. And when they reached for more, they fell. Instead of becoming more, they became less than they were created to be. You see, guys, the greater the power for good, the greater the potential for evil. The greater the hero, the greater the villain. What we do in micro, Satan and his minions did to an exponentially greater degree. We throw God off. He did too. In our evil, we humans incite others to disrespect our God. So why is it so hard for us to believe that an even greater villain would do the same? And so God cast those that rebelled from his presence. Because every creature that can freely choose either tells God, Thy will be done, or eventually God tells them, Okay, then Thy will be done, because God will not force Himself on us, will He? But God wasn't done yet. Out of that superfluity of creativity and love, our eternal, transcendent, holy, yet perfectly loving God turned the page and invited us into his story, this big fat story of God. 
We were not an afterthought, a replacement. We were in His plan from the beginning. So this time, in the beginning, in our beginning, God created our heavens and our earth. Now how God began His creative work is so telling. It says, the earth was formless and empty and darkness. Darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. And I wonder if it's just talking about physical light when it says, let there be light. Anyway, it says God keeps creating our universe for these six days and until on day six he creates a creature that is so special, you guys. He creates us in his image to be loved by God and to love him back. And to make that possible, he gives us humans the ability to choose, the freedom to choose. Now God knew the risks. He had already seen creatures misuse that gift before. But without freedom, there can be no genuine love. And apparently our Creator God sees love. Apparently He sees you as worth the risk. So God created us in His own image. In the image of God, He created us. Male and female, He created us. How cool is that? And then He placed us in this paradisical garden. But there's another creature in that garden one who hated God and because of that hates whatever God loves and that fallen angel took advantage of that piece of us that is most God-like our freedom to choose and he whispers to us God's holding you back you can't trust God God's holding out on you he doesn't have your best interests at heart just his own you need to rewrite the story. You need to give yourself a better part. You need to pursue your own happiness, not his. He can't tell you what to do. He can't tell you what's right for you. He wraps it all up in a lie. You won't die, he says. Have you ever heard words like that before? Been tempted by words like those before? And we reached for more and we fell. Instead of becoming the more we wanted to be, we became less than we were created to be because no creature can outthink or outgood our eternal, transcendent, omnipotent, omniscient God. Can we? And so a darkness. A darkness fell back over the earth. Not a physical darkness this time, but still darkness. A spiritual darkness that we were incapable of dispelling as we fell under the power of that enemy of God. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us that we're not really fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark, dark world. But God, love doesn't give up easily. And even though God won't force himself on us, the lengths to which he would go to win us back and so begins the story of our rescue. In the days before Jesus, God began dropping these clues, these hints that he was not done with us yet. He tells us something's coming, someone is coming, a Messiah, a Savior. But nobody expected that rescuer to be God himself. 
and no one would have predicted the lengths to which God would go to rescue us. When the right time came, it says, God sent his own son, go figure. Born of a woman, go figure. Who would have predicted that? That God would become one of us, that he would live among us for a time to show us the heart of God and then to die for us in our place? Gods can't die. And then because he is God, to walk out of his tomb? Well, Jesus says, I've come as a light. A light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. To a world that is shrouded in darkness, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You see, the one who had said in the beginning, let there be light. He actually stepped into this world to be our light. How cool is that? In other words, without Jesus, you're stumbling around in darkness. With Jesus, you can be who you really are and you can live the life that you were meant to live with God, for God, God's way, for now and for forever. And then Jesus left. But before Jesus left, he gave us, Jesus' followers, a mission, an assignment, a job to do. My job, guys, and your job now, guys, no exceptions if you're a Jesus follower. He says, you are the light of the world now. You guys are. Because this world is still shrouded in darkness for a time. So Jesus says, it's your job to point these creatures that I love back towards me. In fact, he says, you're like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And have you ever been in a plane at night and you look down at the lights of a city below? Those points of light, that's supposed to be us. Have you ever stood on one hill on a dark night and looked at the lights of a town on a nearby hill? Those points of light, that's supposed to be us. We're not supposed to hide. He says no one lights a lamp, puts it on a stand, I mean, and, and puts it under a basket. That'd be stupid. He says instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everybody's in the house. That's supposed to be our job, guys. That is our role in this big fat story of God. In the same way he says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, not so that they can laud you, so that everybody will praise your heavenly Father. Now do you have any idea how big that is, how important that is? And do you have any idea how honored you are to have been given that job by our God? He didn't have to use us. And so, like one candle lighting the wicks of so many others, the light of the world lit the candles of others that spread to a dozen, and then to a few hundred, and then to thousands, and then to millions, until it kept spreading to a point that there are billions of points of light in this dark world for a short time more, shrouded in darkness. And our enemy keeps on trying to extinguish that light, but guys, darkness can't overcome light. So, here's our assignment. Here's your assignment. Here's where it takes us, guys. Live lightly. 
Live lightly. That's who we are. That's what we do. We are those who live lightly. Because there is a God, guys, and I can't prove it, but the evidence is overwhelming. And Jesus is the Son of God who stepped into our world, died for us, and then defeated death. So we don't have to be afraid anymore. I can't prove that either. But the evidence is overwhelming. And if that's true, we can be the light of the world now. If we live lightly, so to speak. You know what that means? To live lightly? <laughs> it means that fear can't own us, and sin can't own us, and disease can't own us, and shame can't own us, and darkness can't own us, even death can't own us. Because we're God's kids, and there is a God. And we know what He's got planned for us. And it means that no matter what happens around us, and no, no matter what happens to us, we can still taste joy. There's meaning now for us in this life, even in the darkest places. There's grace now for us and goodness. And so someone asks you, how are you doing today? And you can answer, better than I deserve with a sparkle in your eye. Right? No fear. Inklings of joy. Because we're doing life with God, for God, God's way, the way life was meant to be lived, because we know there's a God, and we know what God thinks of us, and we know that He's there for us, and we know what's coming. So we can live lightly. It also means this. It means you really are the light of the world right now. If you have any kids who are not Jesus followers yet, you are the light of the world for them. If you have neighbors or colleagues who are not Jesus followers yet, you are the light of the world for them. If you have friends, <laughs> if you have enemies, you're the light of the world for them. You have been granted the honor and the privilege and the responsibility of pointing them to a better way. So how's that going for you? Now, overall, through time, we've done okay, I think. Jesus' followers have been the light of this world for millennia. Now, that's not what you're going to hear. You're going to hear that we Jesus' followers are the ones who are holding people back. We're going to be the ones that they say are holding people down. You're going to hear that we're the regressives, the repressors, the narrow-minded bigots. We are not the light bearers, you will hear. We are the ones who are shrouding this world in darkness, they will say cluelessly. Did you know? Did you know that ever since Jesus was here, we Jesus followers have been the light of the world in so many ways? And I'm not talking about just evangelistically. I'm talking about how we have elevated creatures who have been creating the image of God. I mean, most of our history books are going to mute this part of our story, but it's there. I've got two books on my shelves that are would blow your minds. One of them is called, What Has Christianity Ever Done for Us? Our role in, in shaping the world. This one here, How Christianity Changed the World. Uh, it's, it's an amazing book. They just lay it out. How we Jesus followers have been the light of the world for millennia. We're standing on the uh, shoulders of great guys, guys. Think about it. In the world into which the church was born, life was cheap. 
Babies didn't matter. Children mattered little more, especially girls. Women were often little more than property. Slavery was normal and acceptable. And compassion, as we know it, was not even a value by most. And because we, Jesus followers, began to understand the heart of our God and the value that he placed on these creatures that he crafted in his own image, we started pointing people towards the light of the world. See, in the world of the New Testament, they not only practiced abortion, they practiced infanticide. They might just kill unwanted babies. They might throw them out and just abandon them, especially girls or any who they thought were too frail or deformed, except Jesus' followers. Those babies that others treated as defective or valueless, we treated as God's kids. When they would throw their babies away, especially the girls, we would take those kids in and raise them as our own. We were the warriors in the war against abortion. We've still got those warriors in this church. We were the warriors in the battle against infanticide. We've still got warriors like that in this church. In the world of the New Testament, most women were degraded, not by Jesus. And gradually we began to get it. It took us a while. Like us guys, women bear the image of God. Women are precious to God. So in cultures where women were degraded, Christians were the ones to lift them up. We fought against burning widows alive. We are the ones who fought against binding their feet to deform them so they would walk daintily for us guys. We were the ones to fight against the cutting of the clitoris of young girls. We, where women were treated as property, we were the ones who gave them dignity and worth and purpose. The ones who fought to remove their veils. Guys, that is our heritage as Jesus followers. Slavery, that one took us a while. You know why? Because sometimes Jesus' followers listen more to the world than they do to God. But to God, there is no longer Jew, Gentile, slave-free, male or female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. So we are the ones who finally got it and who fought for the abolition of slavery. That's our legacy, guys. In fact, we Jesus' followers have been at the root of most of the movements for social justice, we are the ones who started taking care of orphans. We are the ones who started taking care of the seniors who are just being thrown away. We are the ones who started fighting against uh, or fighting for the child labor laws. We are the ones who worked for freedom, personal rights, fundamental equality. I mean, those passions, those fundamental rights assumed by so many of our culture warriors today they're standing on our shoulders. It's a long list. Charity, compassion. Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I needed clothes and you closed me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. In that world, those who were not Jesus' followers might give, but only if they could get something back. We were the ones who started giving selflessly because we recognize that people matter to God and to us. Jesus said, I was sick and you looked after me. Because, he said, when you do it for one of these precious children of mine, you're doing it for me. 
So when there were pandemics and everyone else ran, we are the ones who stayed. We are the ones who tended the sick. In fact, we are the ones who built the hospitals and kept on building them. Why do you think so many of them are called things like Central Baptist and St. Joseph and Good Samaritan and King's Daughters and St. Jude? In fact, we're the ones who invented nursing. Talk about education. We're the light of the world, guys. We are the ones who pioneered education for both sexes. We are the ones who pushed for public education for the poor as well as the rich. We are the ones who started so many of the, the first and greatest universities because we have tried to live lightly. Jesus is the one who said, the laborer deserves his wages. So we are the ones who elevated the dignity of God-honoring work and the responsibility that we all have to respect and value those who work. That's our legacy. Did you know that the greatest scientists through history have been Jesus' followers, men and women studying the handiwork of our God? Do you know that most of the greatest artists, writers, musicians in history have been dedicating their God-given gifts to honoring their God? You can just read the books. Track the history. We have been the light of the world and we still are. One guy put it like this. He said, Socrates taught for 40 years, Plato taught for 50, Aristotle for 40, Jesus for three. And yet the influence of Christ's three-year ministry infinitely transcends the impact left by the combined 130 years of these guys who were among the greatest philosophers of all antiquity. Jesus painted no pictures, yet some of the finest paintings of Raphael, Michelangelo, and Leonardo da Vinci received their inspiration from him. It goes on. Jesus wrote no poetry, but Dante, Milton, and scores of the world's greatest poets were inspired by him. Composed no music, still Haydn, Handel, Beethoven, Bach, Mendelssohn reached their greatest perfection of melody in the hymns, symphonies, and oratories they composed in his praise. Every sphere of human greatness has been enriched by this humble carpenter of Nazareth. No kidding. You can be proud of the influence we Jesus followers have had because Jesus was the turning point in history. He became the turning point when as our creator God, he actually stepped into this world that was still shrouded in darkness to win us back. And he gave us a mission and we Jesus followers have made a profound difference. But the world is still shrouded in so much darkness, guys. It's still under the thumb of the prince of darkness and his lies are so seductive. We all have these God-giving longings that we try to satiate in such God-dishonoring ways. Because whenever we try to outthink and outgood our God, we make messes we can't fix. So we're still living in a world shrouded in darkness, in such desperate need of light. We still fight over racism. Prejudice and bigotry are still out there, guys. But instead of God's solutions, we concoct our own. And we're making a mess. So much darkness. We still fight over sex and sexism, but instead of accepting God's design and God's boundaries, we concoct our own and make such a mess, such darkness. 
We still struggle to affirm the value of every man, every woman, no matter how young or old, rich or poor, gifted or ordinary, liberal or conservative, courageous or timid. Guys, it is our job to show them a better way. Jesus came to be the light of the world. Jesus came to point them back towards God, and that's our job now. And I know they're going to push back on us. That's okay. There is a God. Jesus is the Son of God, and we trust Him. So no matter what happens around us, no matter what happens to us, we can live lightly, and we can still make a difference. Sometimes it only takes a, a, a very little thing. Sean Larkin, where are you? Sean is one of our elders. He's been doing something that seems kind of little, but it has such power. Come on up here, Sean, and stand on this side if you want so you don't block the TV. Okay. okay. Sean's been creating and, and sending these cards of encouragement. I, I bet you some of you guys have gotten these cards of encouragement from Sean, right? How long have you been doing it? seven years. Hold that closer to your tongue. A little over seven years. There you go. <laughs> how do you do it? How do you create something like this? Well, it's a couple of different ways. Um, one actually is right on my phone. It's uh, very simple. I can do it in just a couple of minutes or I can even do it on uh, my computer at home. And you do it by how? What, what, do you, what What's the process? Well, the process is really pretty simple. Once I determine who I'm going to send the card to is uh, a lot of times it's driven by just, and I think this is one of your other questions, but how I do it is uh, grab a picture off of Facebook. Typically, a lot of times I'll utilize that uh, or, you know, just one of the, the regular cards in there, pick it out uh, and then create the card and send it. Why? Well, uh, a variety of reasons uh, to show appreciation to somebody. Uh, that you know maybe has done done something that's just uh, just to show that appreciation or an event in their life maybe it's a, a wedding birth of a child somebody passing away that they cared about just to really show that appreciation let them know that somebody's thinking about them now this is a loaded question but does it make a difference yeah it does it does I, you know I, I, I it makes me feel good, really, honestly, to do it. I mean, it's, but beyond that, I get, you know, I just know that people do need it. Uh, you know, a lot of times they're going through things in their lives, and it just helps them uh, to know that somebody cares about them and just thinking about them, really. Someone notices. Thank you. You can yep. go and sit down. John, Sean's pretty amazing. I've received cards at a couple of times from him, and it, and it seems like he chooses a perfect time to send it when you need a little word of encouragement. It really makes a difference. Guys, that's just one little powerful way to live lightly. What's your way? How do you do it? You see, guys like Sean, they're the light of the world, not the social justice warriors. You guys are the light of the world, not the scientists. Jesus followers, we are the light of the world, not the educators. You guys are the light of the world, not the talking heads, not the politicians. As we point people towards Jesus, we are the light of the world, not those who might be so passionate from, for some lesser cause. Now, over the course of this year, we've been trying to coach you in just some little tiny ways to live lightly. In January, we suggested you use one of those Yes, It's Free cards. We wanted a thousand yes, it's free cards passed out from people in this church family. 
In February, we gave out roses. You guys gave out a thousand roses to remind people that God loves them. A little thing. In March, we had these little March Madness basketballs. They had 2 Corinthians 5.13 printed on them. If you looked it up, it said this. If it seems like we're crazy, it's because we're trying to bring glory to God. March Madness, right? We're the crazy ones. And if we're in our right minds, it's for your benefit because we really are the light of the world. In April, we asked you to invite people to our Good Friday service, our Easter extravaganza, to our Easter service itself. This month, it was cards. We asked you to take a Mother's Day card and perhaps send it to somebody who needed some encouragement, kind of be like Sean. This morning, we have something a little different on our our worship stations. You're going to find some little cards, just cards of encouragement, just thinking of you cards. As you're leaving this place, you're going to see some cards out in the foyer. Be like Sean. So someone who needs a word of encouragement, colleague, a neighbor, friend, someone in your family, send them a card saying, thinking of you, praying for you. Nudge them towards Jesus. You see, over the course of this year, we're trying as a church family to commit to giving our, our community 12,000 nudges towards Jesus, 1,000 every single month, in a whole bunch of little ways. You know why? Because we're on a mission from God to be the light of the world. And every single person that turns towards Jesus, God dances. You believe that? Have you ever heard of a guy named Edward Kimball? I hadn't either. He led Dwight Moody to Christ, who led maybe a million people to Jesus. Have you ever heard of a guy named Mordecai Ham? I hadn't either. He led Billy Graham to Christ, who led three million people to Christ. Doesn't have to be a Dwight Moody, doesn't have to be a Billy Graham. Some of the Jews had it right. They said, he who saves a single soul, a single soul saves the world entire. So listen, guys, moms and dads, there is absolutely nothing more important than you can accomplish in this world than to nudge a kid towards Jesus. Do you believe that? If you don't, you're messed up. You have any friends? Any colleagues, co-workers? Did you know that there is absolutely nothing better that you can give a friend or a colleague than a nudge towards Jesus? Absolutely nothing better. Have any neighbors, cousins, Christian brother and sister, maybe who is slipping? Maybe even an enemy. Guys, you're the light of the world. Live lightly. Show them that there's a better way. Show them what doing life with God, for God, God's way looks like. Show them what courage looks like and hope and joy. Because there's a God. And Jesus is the Son of God. And He's our Savior. And He's our Lord. Do you believe that? We're going to have a variety of ways that you can respond to Him right now. If he's not your Lord yet, I'm going to sit right down here and during these next few minutes during our Lord's Supper time and this next song, end of the service, come on down and let's talk about making Jesus the Lord of your life. If there's more than one of you, we've got elders nearby and they're going to come and chat with you too. Or you can go to the back. There's a prayer room back there and an elder's praying for you right now. Maybe you're a Jesus follower, but you don't have a church home. You need a church home, guys. If not Capital City, go find some other God-honoring church and make it your home. But if you want to talk about Capital City as your church home, come on down and let's talk. 
And then we've got these worship stations. And I'm going to invite you to these worship stations in just a moment. Okay? Listen, guys. Black offering box. Capital City is your home. That's where we give our first part back to God. It's an act of worship. There's generous buckets, those white buckets that are there. If you have a dollar or two that you want to drop in there, every dollar that goes in those buckets, we're going to use to love on people who are hurting somehow. Inside the church, outside our church, just if they're hurting. Then you're going to find those cards. If you're willing, you know somebody that you can send a card of encouragement to, grab one of those cards. Grab two of those cards, three of them. We'll buy more if you run out, okay? And then you're going to find the bread and the cup. And that's where we give him thanks. Thanks for what he did for us. And that's where we commit to live as Jesus followers, to live as lights in this world of darkness. Will you pray with me? Father, we're so grateful. So grateful for Jesus. The grace that you showed in him, the light that you gave us in him. And we're grateful for this opportunity to honor you back. We love you dearly. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Welcome. You're here this morning. This is TJ Gaines and his son Ty.
and Ty has decided today is the day to get baptized, to give his life to Jesus. So Ty, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the, Christ the, Son of the, living God, the Son of the Living God, and I accept Him, and I accept him as, my personal Lord and Savior. as my personal Lord and Savior. So Ty, right now your dad is going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow, what an amazing act to follow. <laughs> or tough, maybe. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being here today. My name is Wendy Zuber, and I have a couple of quick announcements that I just want to share with you all. First, next Sunday, May 22nd, is Graduation Sunday. This is where we're going to honor all of our high school and college graduates. Uh, we will have an opportunity for families to kind of gather, have some photo ops, uh, a little bit of a reception outside in the Connections Room following both services. However, if you have not yet given Ben Jeffries your photos of your graduate, today's the last day. So Felicia Smith, make sure you do that wherever you are. <laughs> next, we have uh, next Sunday, May 22nd, our Safe Passage uh, meeting. So Safe Passage is a nonprofit that works to stop child trafficking. Uh, and not only stop child trafficking, but to support families and victims of child trafficking through their Christ-centered um, approaches. So we encourage you to stay after the second service next Sunday for lunch on them, learn a little bit more about their mission here in Central Kentucky, and how you could potentially partner with them. And finally, our May nudges. So last Sunday was, as we all know, Mother's Day, and we want to encourage you to continue throughout the month of May encouraging the special women in your life, your friends, your family, your neighbors, your gym members, um, maybe even your favorite barista at a coffee shop. So as Doc mentioned earlier, we've got these cards prepared for you that you can grab or you can grab them out in the lobby, take them with you, uh, and continue to nudge those women around you. All right, Cap City family and friends, I need y'all to lean in for just a moment and listen up. We've been going through this series for about the last five months or so on who God is, and we've even really studied the evidence for him. So now what? Now what? Guys, it is just one of those things that as we are continuing to think about God, we have been called by Jesus to go. Go and tell the world. And we've been doing that every month through these nudges, telling the world about Jesus and his love for us. So we're going to get ready to sing this next song. And as we do that, I want you to listen to the words of Jesus as he is speaking to you, listen carefully and then go. Hey. 
So tell the world about Jesus Christ, all right? The world needs to see and hear what it is that you have to say, all right? Hope to see you again next week. Thank you.